a big sip. All right, all right, all right. We are back. Another episode of The Big Sip, and I am so excited for the human that I have sitting in front of me. This is such a a special individual because I hear a lot about the incredible things that he's doing, and there is so much in there that just hits so close to home for me, and I know that all of you are just going to be so wowed and impressed with his story, his journey, what he's currently doing to help give back. So it is my absolute pleasure to introduce to you Sam. Para, proprietor of Para Wines and co-chair of Aivoy, a nonprofit organization that's dedicated to mentoring vineyard stewards, which uh, is a very loving term uh, instead of just calling everyone field workers. <laughs> or, or, or a vineyard worker. But Ga- Gabby, uh, thank you so much for having me on The Big Sip. Uh, this is a truly a big honor to share my story where I grew up. Yeah, you grew up here. That's uh, so right. And that's something that we actually ended up bonding over is you're originally now living in Oregon, but originally from Napa, actually in the same town where I went to school. We graduated from St. Helena High. So talk about roots in one area and now having roots in another. Yeah, I was class in 1996, all 110 in my class. <laughs> and hey, you know, it's it's one of those things for that era, you know, you, you grew up on on Too Short, on E-40, on Mac Dre. Mm-hmm. But you also have a little Los Bukis, <laughs> and Ramon Ayala. Un poquito de todo. Yeah, un poquito de todo. But uh, my journey began through my very first uh, winery job was at Pine Ridge Winery in the Stags Leap District. So um, at 21, the founder, the founders, uh, Nancy and Gary Andrus, uh, mm-hmm. they founded a property out here in uh, what is known as the Dundee Hills. Okay. Uh, throughout, throughout the Willamette Valley. Okay, so you're uh, in Willamette. Yeah, and then at the end, you got to think of the damn it. <laughs> Willamette, uh, damn it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so the Dundee, the Dundee Hills is a very famous AVA within the whole valley, and uh, they founded Archery Summit. So in Oregon, or back then when wineries were a lot smaller, there's two big traditions uh, of open houses on, on two weekends, Memorial Day, and Thanksgiving weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, uh, you you can buy a booklet, uh, you get your passport to go around to all these wineries. And so I first got to travel out here back in the day in 2000, by the way. And for Memorial Day weekend, we would fly out of Angwin. Oh, my gosh. And, and I know we would fly in tiny planes of the Cessnas and we would land in a city called McMinnville. And then for Thanksgiving weekend, it's a little more rough weather to go on travel in small planes. So we would either take commercial flights or we would drive to Oregon. It's an it's about a, a nine and a half hour drive from St. Helena over to Dundee. Road from trip. On, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Really fun. Very scenic road trip. So yeah. from that point on, I kept visiting out here in Oregon and just seeing the changes. Um, just to kind of um, give you a visual, you know, in Northern California so well, uh, this area reminds me of Northern Sonoma County or parts of Mendocino County. Oh, where love things Mendocino. Are, things are a bit more, yeah, it's a, a lot more wide open spaces. It's a, it's a very large uh, agriculture area mm-hmm. and it's not dominated by, by vineyards. Um, as, as Napa back in the day, there was a lot of orchards Yep. of walnuts and dates and figs. Well, out here in Oregon, uh, hazelnuts uh, thrive really well, cherries, uh, blueberries, but also Oregon is a top uh, producer of uh, grass seed. So that was my journey back then uh, out here to Oregon where I kept revisiting. And my wife and myself, we moved in the summer of 2016. 
That's incredible. Did you do all of the back and forth traveling to Dundee Hill through Pine Ridge and what you were doing with them or just out of this love because you were just enjoying what you were seeing out there? I traveled up here three years in a row through Pine Ridge. And then after that, I would come visit every two or three years more because I enjoyed the area and seeing how it was growing and developing. Mm -hmm. So um, I felt at home back then. Yeah. Visiting the area. Absolutely. Especially if you could see the relatability between your hometown and this new place that you were growing and starting to have a really big, deep love and affection towards. Did you then know prior to 2016 and sort of those initial first moments where you started really traveling on your own and venturing to Oregon on your own? Did you know that you were going to eventually make that move there and, and that you were going to say not necessarily goodbye to Napa, but what really initially sealed the deal to draw you in over there? It was definitely more recent times. My in-laws moved up here from um, from Ukiah in Mendocino County. They moved up. Uh, they're west of Salem. They came up here for the affordability of to actually finally retire. California is expensive. Correct. And then also my sister-in-law and my brother-in-law, they moved. Um, they actually moved before my in-laws. And my wife, she, she, come, she has a very large family in Sonoma County. Mm-hmm. But within her family, she only has one sibling. So her, her side of the family was up here. So it was then when, when we saw my sister-in-law and brother-in-law move up here and they made a lot of uh, progression improvements in their life as far as becoming homeowners, parenthood for them. Right. Personal goals. uh, Correct. So uh, that's what encouraged our move out here. It was um, just, as you know, the very high cost of living and through the whole Bay area in general. Anyways, we're happy uh, moving out here. I live in Dallas, Oregon. It's west of Salem, 20 minutes west of Salem. Okay, very yeah. cool. I love that that's just like la cosa de la vida. It's just how life works out, right? And and all you got to do is just chase what feels good. And like you said, you're happy that you're out there and you're the proprietor of Para Wines. And, and that is something that is so beautiful that you've started and created in Oregon. Walk me through a, a, a little bit about that and sort of your... Ooh, nice bottle of wine. You know, that label is so cool looking. And I heard you talking about that in an interview that you did with Maria on Hispanics and Wine. And it was so cool to to listen to you talk about the intricacies behind even just the label making and brand ownership and knowing that you got to position yourself in that appropriate place. But before we get to that, talk to me about your travels through Pine Ridge and eventually how it led you to, to Oregon, but mostly now how you created Para Wine and the things that you're doing for yourself in Oregon and, and all of your successes as this small business producer? Back then was more to explore the, the AVAs of the entire valley itself. And uh, back then, and it's still dominated right now as varietals as Pinot Gris, Chardonnay, and Pinot Noir. But uh, right now, I think uh, and it's a, we're in a very special era because a lot of companies are setting up shops from France and California. And I feel that with climate change, they see themselves, you know, this is going to be the next big uh, region out uh, to invest in. And also that what's what's changing out here, the the variety of what you have growing, you're starting to have some growers plant Tempranillo, Syrah. Mm. There's even a few uh, planting uh, Cabernet Franc uh, and, th- and also on white varietals that mm-hmm. have a, a bit more of a thicker skin is uh, Chenin Blanc, mm-hmm. Sauvignon Blanc as well. But I want to emphasize how for Parra Wine Co., I have, I have no investors. I didn't get help from any family. 
I didn't get help from any investors, any friends. I just began to save um, tip money. Wow. And also on my days, on my days off from my, from my daytime employer. Uh, when I first, when we first moved up here, I actually worked for Archery Summit from uh, summer of 2016 to summer of 2019. But on my days off, I only had one day off common off with my wife. And so the other day off, I would actually go bottle at wineries, get in the truck and get your wine country workout. That's how I began to save for Parra Wine Co. Whatever it took. That's what I call a hustler. Even back uh, in high school, I knew that um, my last name, it's only a small section of the world, uh, northern Portugal and northwest Spain. Parra uh, there means vine. Like in English, my name would be Sam Vine. Ah. Where in other Spanish-speaking countries, it's Viña or Viñas. That is so cool. And I'm telling you, I love the intricacy of the label. Um, uh, hopefully everyone who's listening here will go ahead and yeah. Google Para Wine Co. and be able to take a look at that label because it's really, it, it's literally spelling out a P, just like your last name, but it's in the shape of that vine. Correct. And then also um, anything that's going to be on the P label is going to be a single vineyard wine. And I actually want to show you my second label here. Ooh. And this is what I plan. This is what I plan to grow and hopefully one day to go out in distribution. This is my second label here. It's a family shield. It's a family crest. I connected with an artist in Corvallis. And she did a matador that's supposed to resemble me a little bit. I see that. And, and then the and then el, el toro y el matador. But in the back of the bottle, I put el toro y el matador decide to make wine, not war. We can all learn from them. Salud. Ah, oh, so beautiful. Yes. If we come yeah. together, that unity. Oh, that's exactly what we need. That is amazing. And then I also uh, provided the handle, the Instagram handle of the artist. That is so cool. That, Paying that, it back and just being able to amplify. Yeah. That's so, amazing. So, so, right. To so explain a little bit. So my second label, that Viognier does come from a single vineyard, by the way. Mm hmm. It's just that the grower didn't want to be disclosed. They're well known, but they trusted those grapes in my hand. So I created a second label for vineyards that sell me grapes that do not want to be disclosed. Or if I create any blends of multiple vineyards, they will not be on the P logo. The, the Parra Wineco will be single vineyard wines. You will only see the Parra Wineco P logo label on my Instagram account. You will see my, my second label when people tag my second label wine. I'm never going to show the second label on my Parra Wineco. Hey, it's marketing right there. Branding. You're just trying to yeah. position yourself in, in the best way. And that's exactly what you got to do, especially if you're the hustler who's doing it all on your own, right? You're you're the thinking brains. You're the salesman. You're the winemaker. You're wearing all of these hats. That is a, a whole lot of energy and passion that someone has to have to just keep it going day in and day out like you have been. And it's so interesting because you actually primarily focus on Tempranillo, right? Some Tempranillo and some Albariño for Para Wine. So I'm going to bottle my first Albariño uh, next month. That's so much fun. How excited are you about that? Oh, it's I'm super excited. It's going to be a delicious wine. I'm going to hit the market so fast with that wine. It's going to be like the Roadrunner driving a Ferrari. <laughs> yeah, like we'll definitely have to make sure that everyone is well aware of how they can access some of that so they can uh, make sure that they're getting their hands on some of that good good you know keep in mind i just started my company in 2019 
and I imagine it's been a venture. What was it like starting your company in 2019? Walk me through sort of what the last two years of that has looked like. And was COVID a challenge for you? What was it like navigating that as you were trying to launch Bottle Wines? And what sort of advice would you give to anybody who keep going? How do you keep the faith? No, of course. So I'll give you a quick story for 2019. Uh, the custom crush facility I made wine at. Mm-hmm. This guy, the owner of the Custom Crush facility, he happened to visit Archery Summit in December of 16, okay? It was the first year that I moved out here. Mm -hmm. And he brought his wife and a friend of his from out of town, and I hosted them. And it turned out that he was the very first seller master of Archery Summit. Oh, wow. And he left in 1999. So I, I first visited that winery in 2000. But I knew a lot of his coworkers from back then. Mm -hmm. And then also we, we did meet eventually because Gary and Nancy Andrus, they used to fly the staff of Archery Summit for the Christmas party in Napa. But we just never got to really talk as mu uh, too much to, to the workers uh, because um, we, we were kind of busy with our own little circle of friends, coworkers, co I guess. Right. Right. But we knew we knew all the team that worked back then together. And he was actually the one that invited me in January of 17. He told me when he visited with his wife, he's like, hey, I'm going to have my first bottling in three weeks. Do you want to come join us? And and he told me the day I'm like, oh, it's a Tuesday. It's my day off. Um, you know, I'm not off with my wife. I'm like, yeah, sure. I'll come. I'll come bottle. And I, I thought I'm like, oh, cool. He's going to pay me with the wine. Mm -hmm. He ended up paying me with with cash and wine. Okay. And, and, and he ended up connecting me with other winemakers and said, Hey, you know, this guy actually knows what he's doing. And uh, anyways, that was my connection onto finding my bonded facility to make wine at through him. Uh huh. Yeah. So for last year, you know, um, you have to think outside the box. So I did a definitely stepped up my zoom tastings. Oh, great. That way yeah. you can definitely yeah. interact with your consumers, but also, my my model for the for the um, for sales is actually mailing list, so it was a lot of phone sales. And, and my base clientele is actually in California, mm. being in the business for over twenty years on winery and distribution. But also away from wine sales, I had other sales sales job in the Bay Area, not wine related. So I have a large base clientele where again I did a lot of phone sales, personal calls of my of my, of my base clientele. You know, I think that you might have actually seen some success there because I was reading a statistic that because obviously everyone was in this virtual space, a lot of people were being hit with email blasts nonstop. Sometimes yeah, people so, people really appreciate that. And it's nice to just hear someone's voice and, and connect yeah, on do. that personal level. So uh, that was that was a big change because I was planning to do uh, to go showcase my wine at you know, high-end hotels in Portland or resorts on the coast. And mm -hmm. with COVID, that was not happening. Yeah. So I stepped up the efforts again where, you know, the hustle continues. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. it's a matter, again, of picking up the phone and, and talking to individuals that I know and, and hand-selling my product, basically. Yep, just doing and the then, work. Yeah, exactly. And then covering uh, your last question, what would I recommend to others is, is this, you know, my lifetime long friends are in Napa Valley. My as far as for my side of the family, my whole family's there. But I think, you know, sometimes in, in life, in order to pursue some dreams and goals, you have to make some big sacrifices. Mm, amen to that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I feel that. Yeah. And I think all of us can maybe pinpoint 
times in our lives where we've made sacrifices, but sometimes when it's like those really big goals, you have to dig a little deeper. And even if it means picking up and going to a place that you're unfamiliar with, but you know, you know that it's going to bring something fruitful towards you, like much of what you've been able to do with Bada Wines um, and, and embracing those opportunities, right? When they present themselves to you, which I think you expressed beautifully when you mentioned just taking the opportunity on a Tuesday where anybody else, maybe they would have been like, oh, it's my day off. Like I kind of just want to relax. But instead you looked at it as at an opportunity to, yeah, I'm going to go help this guy bottle wine. And from there, look at all of the connections that were able to come from that. And that's why you you really have to embrace those opportunities when they, when they come your way. Yeah. And it was through those gigs where I got to meet winemakers and then they're the ones connected with growers. And that's how I got lined up some really good fruit, some well-known growers. Mm-hmm. And for myself to be in, uh, you know, the the new face, the new kid on the block, it was through networking and that personal connection where the growers, knowing that my connection with that winemaker, they're like, sure, I'll sell you one ton of fruit. Like, sure, I'll give, I'll give somebody new a shot at it. An opportunity. And that's so important right now, especially as we talk about diversity and really changing the landscape in the wine industry. Did any part of you feel like like you left Napa? One, obviously, you know, costs and, and, and being able to start up a winery business in Napa versus Oregon. But was any part of that ever driven by this sense that Napa was really closed off or clicky like you don't really feel as though maybe as a Latino producer, you're really a part of the wine community and the wine industry? Uh, well, even even out here um, in Oregon, the, the, the Latino community is even a, a smaller minority. Mm. group versus California, where there's such a large um, Latino population. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I feel there's there's been a lot of um, changes in Napa as well. Have you met Armando Tam? He's trying to organize Comidazo. I haven't. No, I haven't had the pleasure. Yeah. You know, I have not connected with him yet, but he's trying to organize a a food and wine festival for minority owned businesses. That would be amazing. yeah, you know, Ma- Mava has been around for a good while now. Right, yeah, the Mexican-American yeah. Vintners Association, for sure. Which is definitely great right. that we have um, right. that organization in existence to really highlight and amplify the Latino voices uh, and producers in the community. But I feel in Napa, and even, and, and by the way, uh, when my wife and myself moved up here, we were living already in Sonoma County. Um, I have been living mainly in Sonoma County since 2010 to 2016. I was living mainly in uh, Healdsburg and Geyserville, by the way. But um, I, I don't know. You know, I feel that in Napa and Sonoma, there is a big respect for the Latino community in general, where um, I feel that there's a respect there of them recognizing who's really doing the 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 really hard work the, the the really important work in general is is the farming aspect you need really good grapes in order to make good wine absolutely napa valley definitely wouldn't have the success that it has without the backbone which is the the latino community here who are being the vineyard stewards out in the field at the same time there there can always be improvements you are doing much of that through ievoy over in oregon and i think you know concepts like that that nonprofit organization would be profoundly impactful especially as we think about bringing more equity to the table when it comes towards the advancement of uh, people of color and and, and making sure that they can keep 
excelling and keep growing within the industry at the same, you know, rates and, and opportunities as their counterparts. Walk me through uh, IEVOI and, and exactly, you know, what that organization's mission is, how you became a part of it. Yeah, so IEVOI, the founders are um, Juliana Guillen, and then her, her husband um, passed away uh, fairly young, but um, he was one of the few uh, Mexican winemakers here, uh, Jesus Guillen. Mm-hmm. Um, they started out just meeting up for coffee with uh, Sofia Torres, uh, that owns uh, Cremosi Vineyard. Okay. And then Jesus and then Jesus Guillen at the time was winemaker at White Rose. And then they also met up with um, with Miguel Lopez, where um, his dad was vineyard manager um, at a really famous rush, um, winery, uh, Beau Ferrer. Mm. Uh, out mm. here in Oregon. So Miguel Lopez uh, grew up in the industry and, and grew up in McMinnville. But uh, IE Void did not have the name yet itself. They were they were just meeting up for, again, for coffee, exchanging ideas. But uh, when I moved out here in 2016 and 2017, I volunteered for Salud. Uh, Salud is a big fundraiser where they, they fundraise to in order for to pay for this mobile unit that travels to vineyard sites. And, and they actually, um, they provide dental services and medical services to uh, vineyard stewards that do not have medical insurance. Wow, that is phenomenal. Yeah. And then in 2017 and 2018, I volunteered uh, for uh, the Northwest um, Community Services in McMinnville, and they help individuals that are going through uh, U.S. citizenship, gaining citizenship. Uh-huh. And they and they don't have to be Latino, by the way. But a lot of the folks they sponsor are Latino, and a lot of them are also Latino vineyard stewards. Mm-hmm. And so it was at a fundraising event where one of the organizers of the fundraiser introduced me to um, Sofia Torres and Miguel Lopez. They were sitting on the same table as Jesus Guillem. Mm-hmm. And I was actually running the silent auction. I was kind of just a guy floating around, answering questions on the table, answering questions about wines and packages. Nomás como echando porra, basically. Hyping up the package. And there you go. More and money, so more money. That, Make that dollar holla. <laughs> exactly. So I think at that time, you know, Jesus Guillen, he worked really, his winery where he was working at was really close to Archery Summit. And I think he realized, he's like, you know, we got to talk to this guy. He he networks quite a bit in the Valley and he's brought some uh, really nice donations. I actually got really great donations from, from California, oh, from wow. Napa and Sonoma to donate to these causes oh great and so yeah he actually he called uh he called my employer looking for me and they, they provided him my email and then he came to visit me even though you know even though we met in the past we just didn't know each other we mm-hmm. just i i would always go visit white rose because again jesus guillen being one of the few latino, latino producers uh, winemakers in the mm-hmm. area so yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was employed by them. But again, yeah, uh, a winemaker there and always enjoy the wine. But to go see him and his brother uh, is a tastinger manager as well. Of oh, White cool. Rose. Very cool. Lots and of so family anyways, aspects that's, there. Exactly. That's how it came about. So they said, hey, you know, Miguel Lopez is in tune with uh, the vineyard community. And they said, you know, we've heard that you're really in touch with the hospitality side and for the marketing side. They're like, 
do you know any Latinos, you know, the few that might be out here in your position? And I'm like, yeah, I know of a few and invited them. And that's when we began meetings. Mm -hmm. And it was about maybe three meetings in where we voted with IEVOI is the acronym, by the way, Asociación Hispana de la Industria de Vinocola en Oregón y Comunidad. So that is the, so cool the, that you ended up making that acronym out of Aivoy because Aivoy also translates to the actual word in Spanish to English. There I go. There I go. There I yeah. go. And that's what we're and trying so, to do is make sure people can keep advancing. Right. So we we started the, the meetings and Jesus passed away very fast. I mean, very sudden. Uh, mm. He just never realized uh, he had cancer. Wow. And when they and then when they found that it, it, it has spread all over and and it took over really fast and he passed away. We we took months off. We we didn't gather until I believe March of 2019 just to show you just to tell you how fast this has evolved. Right. And it was just um, our president Diana Ornelas. Mhm. Uh, she works for a winery Winderly. Mhm. Was Miguel Lopez, which uh, now has his own vineyard management company. Amazing. Red Dirt Labor Company. And then uh, Sofia Torres McKay owns Cremosi Vineyard with her husband, Ryan McKay. Mm-hmm. And then and then myself, it, it was four of us, just very meaningful, small meetings. And from there, we just began to build uh, the team where a lady that works for a large CPA firm, uh, Carly Tell, Mm-hmm. Um, she happens to be on the on the treasury uh, committee. We all volunteer for the nonprofit, by the way. That's what I was going to say. This is just a, a group of people who recognize this work as being important. And you Correct. all bring an aspect to the table, a background to the table to be able to essentially compile one incredibly knowledgeable educational tool, which is a, a combination of all of you put together. Right. So the program started last year at Shemekara. Shemekara is in Salem. It's a city college. Okay. And it started. Um, it started as a pilot, non uh, a non credit pilot program. Okay. Okay. And it's still evolving. Okay. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the the Voy program eventually we wanted to grow and show them how there's you know there's scholarships uh, or financial aid, how they can actually take uh, units at Shemekara and transfer to either Linfield for business or also in Corvallis, which is just half an hour away from Salem. Mm-hmm. They have they have a, an enology program there. It's a pilot program right now. Right. Yeah. And so is much of that educational piece and going straight through the college and through them yep. seeking coursework there? Or is there any kind of mentorship aspect that comes with one-on-one work with, with all of you who are putting in the work to, to build this out? We're putting in the work for the fundraising aspect and to mentor them. But as far as the educational aspect, that is all through the college. Every piece is working together to achieve that. And that's incredible mm-hmm. that you're all volunteering your time because you recognize, again, this is this is what it takes. A veces, you know, just sacrificios, again, and knowing my time here to others, it might be like, oh, I'm exhausted. You know, here's another uh, four hours ahead of work with things that I'm not being paid for. But 
it's those steps that you're taking in that present moment that are going to translate over to really profoundly impactful, positive changes for that next incoming generation or the next incoming group of people who want to continue to advance themselves in this industry. Are the classes being taught in in languages that meet them on their levels and things like that? Or are those classes only being taught in English when it comes to the, the educational aspect? They are in English and all the students are already professionals in the field. Gotcha. It's a big difference when you have a vineyard steward where they they might be really good at agriculture. And sometimes when the grapes are delivered at the winery, some some individuals just don't really don't really wonder what's the next step of processing the grapes and winemaking. Mm. But we we are we are helping the ones that want to learn. They're like, well what what wonders Mm-hmm. What happens after we pick these beautiful grapes and when they get to the winery, what is next? Mm-hmm. And it's a it's a great way of retention for this industry because, you know, here here's an example where, say, a vineyard steward uh, just um, uh, starting out as um, uh, not even as a foreman, just in, in general for labor. Right. Where just as an example, let's just say they're getting paid between 12 or 18 an hour. And, and all of a sudden, you know, they, they get married, they begin to start a young family. And, you know, maybe sometimes they might see other jobs as far as construction or joining a union where they're getting paid double the amount, mm-hmm. where maybe the wine industry may not intrigue them at, at that point. So what we're doing is, you know, with, with um, one thing with, with education, uh, for them, they not only they feel empowered, hundred percent, one hundred percent, but um, but they, I, I feel that you give them more of a purpose in their job as well. Absolutely, so, that sense of ownership in that position to know, yo tengo la oportunidad, pero también tengo que poner el trabajo tiene que venir de mí. Yeah. You know. So it's great with the program because they spent weeks at a time covering enology, winemaking, and then uh, vineyard management. Uh, pest control, but then of course they go into finance, marketing. They're actually taking uh, the, uh, the WSET, which is offered at Linfield College, by the way. That's so great. So, so Linfield now made an effort to connect with Aivoy as well. So, as far as with the educational for the wine ed- education mm-hmm. uh, through the through the Dubset. Uh, vineyard stewards are going to be going to this great program uh, for again for wine education, and again once once the uh, the wine industry once it's beyond as far as the labor work once once they have the passion for the culture and the industry I think at that point you know you're 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 hooked even more on this business but not only that but again as as far as uh, the um, their employers uh, it, it's a matter of the program where where eventually they they are gonna uh, meet uh promotions and and grow within the industry again how it's developing out here and still growing so exactly um, investors investors who will definitely recognize the importance of educating amplifying supporting black and brown individuals indigenous people who are coming from all sorts of diverse backgrounds and wanting to advance themselves in these positions i think it's so cool that you got two colleges two schools to be a part of and and really invest in this program and this nonprofit pilot program and organization and that recognize the importance of doing this was it difficult to loop in those partners or you know who 
who who were you all contacting to kind of um, achieve all of these different things to gain and network multiple contacts here? We we were really lucky to get the program started really fast because we did have some very generous donors mm. and it was actually from it was actually from the early families the pioneers of the valley mm-hmm. where they even agreed where they even agreed where a program like this should have existed years ago already Mm. And that's the question that so many of us ask, right? Especially as we look towards, as we look towards, you know, the future of the industry and what we're hopeful for, for all people, you know, it's like, how are, how is it that it's 2021 and we're still having these conversations about access to wine and equity and showcasing, you know, Hinted, different different stories, different narratives and things like that. So um, I, I'm, I look forward to all of the exciting things that can happen by getting people really invested in opportunities and programs like this. What are you what are you most excited for and looking forward to with Aivoy and Parawayans as you keep navigating through 2021, whatever challenges might come with it, but but still pushing forward anyways. I, I feel with uh, with Aivoy, the main goal is to keep the program happening. Mm. Uh, right right now, there is a, there is a cap of students uh, due to COVID restrictions. Right. But it could be a matter of maybe the entire state of Oregon recognizing the program. Mm-hmm. Because you do have community colleges like Napa Valley College mm-hmm. um, and, and the state of Oregon, where, again, they might look at what we're doing with IEVOI and say, okay, you know, let's connect the actual government with this program. And this is going to be, again, a great way to empower individuals and, and retain uh, labor in, in certain industries, you know, obviously the, the vineyard, uh, the winery industry. Yep. Um, as far as for uh, Barra Wine Co., um, I, I have made connections with growers uh, out in the Walla Walla side of Oregon. There's mm-hmm. a special little area in Walla Walla called called Milton Freewater. Mm-hmm. And, and being hotter out there, I'm going to have access to the thicker skin grapes that I grew up enjoying in Napa Valley, such as Cabernet Franc or the great Syrahs of, of Sonoma County, um, where I want to eventually uh, source fruit from Milton Freewater, the Walla Walla side of Oregon. Mm-hmm. Or also there's the Columbia Gorge uh-huh. that, surrounds, um, that surrounds the city of Hood River because that showcases more of microclimates where, again, I can get access to the thicker skin grapes that, that just don't plainly ripen. We right. don't have a long growing season here in the valley. Where uh, and eventually, I do want to make Pinot Noir that dominates the area. Right. But start starting out so small. I had to start out very different. I, I wouldn't do myself any justice. I would be if I'm if I started with a Pinot Noir. I would be another Pinot Noir producer of hundreds. Of hundreds. Here. Yeah, you're differentiating what? yourself by focusing on Tempranillo about to, you know, do a, an Albarino and, and release that by focusing on yeah. Syrah, um, by paving different paths. And then, and again, and other varieties that I don't want to just talk about right now, because some are going to be in such minimal amounts that they are going to be allocated to just um, only some mailing list members, basically. So basically to get access to you and all of your delicious wines, we have to be on your mailing list. But yeah, so for Parra Wineco, right now it's such a tiny production. It's such a small project. Go to uh, parrawineco.com. P-A-R-R-A-Wineco.com. And then go to mailing list and fill it out.
Perfect. Perfect. Y'all heard it right there. Parawineco.com. That's two R's in para. You'll remember because you got to roll the R's. <laughs> Parra. Yeah. It's going to. Oh, the Albarino, I'm definitely about to join this mailing list and make sure that I get some. I actually, I love that you're making and focusing on varietals that, you know, we don't see too often here on this side, especially coming from um, people who are originally from Napa Valley. Uh, I had a, a little bit of experience working with some of those Spanish grape varietals when I was the marketing manager for a Spanish wine importing company. They're like the seventh largest in the world, but they have no presence here in the U.S. up until about a couple of years ago. And that was yeah. when I started learning about Alvarinos and just <laughs> the different regions in, in Spain, Rioja, and all of the other fabulous places that are making some beautiful Tempranillos. So I, I'm definitely excited yeah. to, to taste all of that. And it's so cool, again, you know, just thinking how things work out and, and how things come full circle. And again, your networking opportunities, how they led you to having a chance to, uh, you know, network with so many different growers. And then that's assisted you with producing your own wines. Um, it really shows us, you know, don't give up on your dreams. And like you said, a veces there's sacrificios or sacrifices that we have to make um, in order yeah. to actually uh, achieve those goals. Um even if the road looks different from from what we thought, right? It's the end journey that we're trying to get to, and and we just gotta enjoy the the ride along the way. Yeah, exactly. So this um, for this year, I'm gonna focus through um, the Shemekara Small Business Development Center. Um, that I college you were speaking of, correct? Well, also through the Small Business Development Center in Salem. Mm. I'm gonna be looking for programs where the city of Salem is being quite generous uh, for startup companies, where I want to uh, open up. Uh, a wine lounge, a co-op. Just picture like, um, have you visited um, Vintners Collective? I haven't visited the Vintners Collective. Or have you have you been to the Napa Wine Company in Oakville? Um, I have been to the Napa Wine Company in Oakville. Yes, that's the one right yeah, across the know, street from Oakville Grocery, correct? Exactly. You go in and you can taste from 12 different wineries. Mm -hmm. It's so <laughs> but cool. Except, except the big difference is that some of them are actually making the wine there. Where, where mine is going to be more of the actual just lounge. And I'm going to be focusing on, uh, on, on not just uh, Latino uh, brand owners, but I, ha I have some, some friends that are, are such small brand owners where I want to support them and showcase their wines yeah. that, are not Latino, that are not Latino. And they're, they're so busy in production where sometimes they need the assistance on the marketing and sell side where, you know, that's where I'm going to come in and, I'm going to push their wine all day. I'm going to sell it like hot, you know, like tamales at Christmas time. They're going to be flying out the door. <laughs> like fast. Los Padres right now with COVID and still trying to get the donations. They're like, tamales, come on, we got to make that money. I think it's great. Again, you know, definitely important to amplify Latinos and different wines that people normally aren't exposed to. You know, we're very used to the the cabs and, you know, Napa Valley style wines. Um, but then also so great that, you know, you're talking about pulling up people with you and you're doing that with Aivoy and then to envision, you know, this lounge space and specifically want to highlight those smaller producers to really give them a chance to be spotlighted, you know, on a level where people are going to have access to it. Again, that's what it's all about, right? Bringing equity and accessibility in this world of wine. Yes. Well, Sam, thank you so much for, for everything. I am so excited to just see what continues to roll 
roll on out. I'm definitely going to be joining that mailing list. All of y'all out there, join the mailing list to stay connected with everything going down with Aivoy, everything happening with Para Wine Co. by checking out parawineco.com. That's P-A-R-R-A wineco.com. And follow him on Instagram. What's the Instagram handle? How do we how do we keep up, up with you? How do we keep getting that big sip? Barra Wineco. Barra Wineco. Same thing. Instagram handle. Also check out the webpage. Such a pleasure speaking with you, Sam. I wish you the best of luck. And you and I will definitely be staying connected uh, for so many different things. If you are out there, like he mentioned too, you know some resources, some individuals. Again, sometimes it's all about networking and really connecting people with one another if we're out here saying let's amplify diversity then let's really start to bridge the gaps and if you have someone or know of someone that can assist with Ivoy with making sure that that program is sustainable um, with just assisting you know smaller producers and, and connecting them with uh, some more folks you already know you can come through me Gabriela here with you on the big sip or again go ahead and uh, reach out to Sam Para from Para Wine Co. Gabi muchas gracias Placer. Thanks for joining me on the Big Sip. Saludos. Peace out. Mm, the big sip.